After three weeks of OTAs for the New Orleans Saints, there's still one thing that I just can't get over. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a daily episode. And if you want to continue the conversation with me one-on-one, just head over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints. I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. But you can also find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And when you enter the promo code locked on NFL in all caps, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. So go check them out today. Tell you a little bit more about them later. But on today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at somebody that needs a little bit of a bounce back, a little bit of a comeback after their OTA showing over the course of the past three weeks. We're going to look at OTA MVP Chris Olave and how remarkable he was over the course of those three weeks. But first, yeah, it's still really cool that Michael Thomas was out there on the field uh, for the New Orleans Saints on Tuesday, the final week of OTAs. I spent three weeks out at OTAs with the New Orleans Saints, and the Michael Thomas thing is still something that I haven't been able to get over since we saw it just a day ago, and I think that that is something that says something a little bit louder. And I think that when you look at where Michael Thomas is, The reason why it's so important that he was out on the field is that it shows the commitment, it shows the confidence, all these other things. It has been a tumultuous 36 months when it comes to the New Orleans Saints and Michael Thomas. 10 games over the past three years, uh, one season never even being able to get off the ground. Last year, a lot of hope, uh, three games in, another injury. And there's going to be a lot of question marks around Michael Thomas and around whether or not he's going to be healthy and whether or not he'll make it through a season. Can he play 10 plus games, all of that in one season? I get it. I completely understand. But him being out on the field during OTAs, when the first time we were expecting to see him in terms of his timeline was the first day of training camps, of training camp opening in July is remarkable. And it shows you the commitment between not only the organization to help Michael Thomas get right, but Michael Thomas to the organization for him helping to get himself right. This clearly shows that Michael Thomas has been on some type of a rehabilitation um, uh, regimen with the New Orleans Saints, with their team. And that was something that years ago fell apart in terms of getting a second opinion and off-season rehab and getting surgery, but then having to get the surgery late because he didn't get the surgery early because he got a second opinion that said, you can rehab this, you don't need surgery, all those other things. Now, Instead of the organization having one understanding and the player having another, you can clearly see that the organization and player are seeing the same thing. They're speaking the same way. And the reason why that is so important to me is because there's an exercise in this to be had that goes beyond just the injury itself, seeing things the same way. The organization 
Michael Thomas see things the same way. That's why they went with a, uh, you know, incentive heavy contract that could be anything from a six point two, you know, two five, six point seven five million dollar contract to a fifteen million dollar contract. You look at the, um, the seeing the same way as his head coach in Dennis Allen in terms of meeting the timelines, hitting the timelines, hitting the benchmarks, doing all of those things. Him and Mickey Loomis on the same page in terms of the hardware that was removed from his foot about a month ago. Mickey Loomis giving us that update during the Saints Hall of Fame golf classic. Same page, the both of them hitting the benchmarks, hitting the timeline, everything progressing as expected. And then now beyond just getting back out on the field early, over at OTAs, which of course gives you a little bit of, hey, what it is that Michael Thomas wants, what it is that the organization wants, that those two things meet and marry one another. But you also see him seeing the field the same way as Derek Carr and the pursuit of that improvement, the pursuit of that communication. How do you see this? Here's how I see it. Let me send you, you know, oh, well, you, you've worked on this before with Drew. How did Drew see it? How can I be better if I'm Derek Carr? Michael Thomas, how did Alante, I mean, how did Devante see it? Devante Adams. Like these guys asking each other questions, not just about one another, but guys that they had previously worked with so that they bring together a union of communication based upon their previous practices. That's huge. That is a huge thing. And we know that one of the things that made Drew Brees and Michael Thomas so special together, which was the same thing that made Drew Brees and Marcus Colston so special together, was the fact that they saw the field at the same time. That safety is getting a little bit of extra depth. So I'm going to come up about a yard shy on my over or on my break, or I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, run my cut in a little bit earlier. Or, you know what? This corner is really choking up on me. So I'm going to carry this one over. That linebacker doesn't have enough depth in the middle of the field. So as I'm crossing the field, I'm going to creep up a little bit into the green space. He was seeing the same field the same he was seeing the field the same way that Drew Brees was seeing the field and now he Michael Thomas and Derek Carr are working on having that same type of communication to where they see the same things on the field. This is one of the things that made Drew Brees and Michael Thomas one of the most deadly combinations in football post snap. The post snap adjustments after the ball is snapped, when somebody's running the route in a split second, two people seeing the same thing at the same time. That is not easy to achieve. That is not easy to achieve at all. And it remains to be seen if Derek Carr and Michael Thomas can achieve it. But when you hear about the conversations that they're having, when you hear about the way that these things are happening in terms of the adjustments, the live adjustments, the split second adjustments that they're working on together and seeing the field the same way and all those other things, this is where it all starts. We haven't seen this before. Jameis Winston did a phenomenal job adjusting and working with wide receivers to adjust their routes between snaps. Hey, the last time that we called something like this or the last time we had this look, the defense did this. So because of that, Deontay, you should go ahead and take your, you know, your post a little bit steeper. Don't run the angle as hard. And then they ended up connecting over the top because of those types of adjustments between the snap in the huddle. The difference is, can you make the, or the next level is, can you make the adjustments based upon what the defense is giving you in the moment? And can you and the other player that's making the adjustments, can you both see the same thing at the same time? We haven't seen that in New Orleans since Drew Brees and Michael Thomas took the field together. Now you have an opportunity here to see Derek Carr, Drew, excuse me, Derek Carr, Michael Thomas, and even Chris Olave, and even Rashid Shaheed. 
all seeing the field the same way because these guys, Rashid Shaheed and Chris Olave, have been taken under Michael Thomas's wing and they've been working with Michael Thomas in each of the last two offseasons. So they're going to start seeing the field the same way that Michael Thomas is. And Derek Carr benefits from that because now he's got three wide receivers that look at the field the exact same way that he does. This is one of the reasons why I thought Hendon Hooker would actually be a good fit in the New Orleans Saints offense, despite the fact that he played an offense that was unique and that Josh Heupel system with the Tennessee Volunteers because there were a adjustments and options given to the wide receivers and the quarterback just had to see the same thing that they were seeing. These wide receivers are smart enough to have those options, to curl the route a little bit more, to take the route a little bit steeper, to take the break a little bit earlier, a little bit later, to push a little bit further downfield, whatever it takes to get that one little step that ends up meaning that you're open by NFL standards. And now you have a quarterback who even Rashid Shahid, the other wide, one of the other wide receivers we're discussing, said the other day, can put the ball anywhere. So now you have a guy that can put the ball anywhere. You have a guy that can make just about any catch on the field, as long as he can stay on the field. And two young wide receivers that are dynamic, challenging, um, threatening to opposing defenses. And now you put all that on the field together with a guy that can deliver passes wherever they need to be. That is the type of thing that has been missing from this New Orleans Saints offense and that New Orleans will be so happy to see back in 2023 as long as it all plays out on the field. But if you're wondering, yeah, it's still cool. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at OTA MVP Chris Olave. Why did he stand out? What's next and what does it mean for the Saints? Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by Bird Dogs. This is one of my favorite clothing companies in the world. I love me some Bird Dogs. I have some of their joggers as well as some of their shorts. And I've got two new pairs of shorts on the way and I cannot wait for them to get here. Maybe you're looking for something that's going to make you look good and feel good. Bird Dogs is the spot for you. You want some of those khaki shorts that end up fitting a little bit slimmer around the thigh, show off a little bit of that tone? They got you. You're looking for something that has that anti-stink sweat a uh, 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 wicking fabric. I don't even know what wicking means, but I'm sure glad that Bird Dogs does it because they've got you covered there too. And if you want something that feels like the same thing as Lululemon, but fits even better, Bird Dogs has you covered. They've got everything from joggers to pants to those khaki, those stretch khakis to the shorts as well. I love the shorts. I'm a six, in, six inch inseam guy. I'm all about them hoochie daddy shorts and I got two more pair on the way right now. You want to check them out yourself, head over to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter the promo code locked on NFL in all caps for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for that free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Uh, for all the everydayers out there, we will be live again later on today, probably around 6, 7-ish, 6.30 probably uh, central time. So make sure you come through for that as we'll be continuing to break down things around OTAs and what's next for the Saints when it comes to minicamps. But when it comes to OTAs, one of the things that I do want to look at are a couple of superlatives and things like that. We're going to break down lineups and stuff like that in the live show tonight. But the superlative that I really want to go over is MVP today. And the OTA MVP, I think the player that had the best day, leaving the quarterback out of it, because I don't think that MVP should just be a quarterback award, um, is Chris Olave, wide receiver Chris Olave for the New Orleans Saints. 
every single day of the three days that we were there out of the, well, so far eight days that they have practiced during OTAs, uh, they'll practice for a total of nine days with the last day being Thursday. But out of all three of those days, uh, Chris Olave made a big play. Uh, let me see, checking notes here, 100% of the days. I mean, he was just outstanding. There's the big play that everybody has talked about already and that I've talked about a bunch to where Derek Carr put one up for him, um, you know, uh, deep, uh, near the end zone. And he just kind of had to go up and try to fight Marcus May for it. He did and he won. So we were talking about sort of the confidence that that builds for a guy like, uh, Derek Carr. We saw that go into the next week when he made more big catches, more catches down the field, more catches in traffic, more catches over the middle of the field. And we saw how often, uh, Derek Carr was willing to go to him. Now remember, the second day of OTAs that media was present, we didn't get to see a full team uh, drill or a full team, um, you know, period. But we did get to see during the seven on sevens how much he continuously went to Chris Olave. And then you look at day three, the third day that media was there just this past Tuesday. And would you see you saw uh, front corner uh, or sorry, back corner of the end zone, a little fade route where he was able to to make the play over Chris Bond there. This was them using him out of the slot. So now you're seeing him make plays out wide. You're seeing him make plays out of the slot. You're seeing him make plays in the short area, the intermediate area, the deep area. The guy was just all over the field constantly, and you can feel the confidence around him. He's up another five pounds, and it shows. He's pushing, you know, look, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The touchdown that he caught Tuesday uh, with Zach Bond in coverage was this sort of like slot fade that, you know, drew uh, Zach Bond in coverage. Um, Derek Carr put it over the shoulder. They're in the red zone doing all this, probably from about the 10 or five yard line, puts it over the shoulder. He's able to come up with a clean catch in the back of the, in the back corner of the end zone. The thing about that play is that the defense was mad about that play because they thought that Chris Olave pushed off. And you can actually see a little bit of a, of an acknowledgement to that from Derek Carr during his post-practice presser where he says, yeah, there might have been interference. Who cares? You know, and so, uh, but the thing that I highlight about that is that this isn't Chris Olave pushing off of a defensive back that's five pounds lighter than him or five pounds, you know, uh, heavier than him or whatever. That's him pushing off of Zach Bond, a 220, 230 pound linebacker, a guy that's got nearly 40 pounds on him. And so he's able to win and still be able to make that catch. And so no wonder why he came up out of that catch, just feeling himself and, you know, talking his stuff and celebrating and all that. And that's what you want to see from Chris Olave. You want to see the confidence and the excitement and all that. So yeah, it might just be five pounds that he put Put on going from 187 to 192, but hey, that's five valuable pounds, especially seeing how much muscle he's put on in the process as well. So you can see the strength there. So you look at Chris Olave and he should carry the tag of playmaker. So what you're thinking and what you're watching when you watch him is, does he make plays? And the guy simply can't stop making plays. And here's one of the other things that I really like too. It's what happens when Chris Olave doesn't make a play or when Derek Carr and Chris Olave can't connect on a play, right? This is what I loved. I believe it was the very next play or maybe just very soon after. It was the same team session. Um, Chris Olave is working. I think it gets, yeah, it was Isaac Yadam and uh, he runs sort of this, uh, he runs this kind of out route to where he starts to push up. They're still working in the red zone here. He pushes up towards the back of the end zone, but then as he crosses the goal line, he takes a big pivot to the out heading towards the sideline. As that uh, play was developing, Derek Carr threw the ball before he came out of his break, but threw it just a little bit too early. And so the timing was off. And so you could hear 
as Chris Olave tries to catch the ball, Chris and Isaac talking to one another saying, oh man, the timing was just off on that one. So what does Chris Olave do? Does he go back to the huddle? Does he go to the sideline? Does he just move on with his day? No, he gets the ball. He gets it back to Derek Carr while everybody's changing out in terms of one team coming off the field and the other team going on the field. Chris Olave runs the route again. Derek Carr throws the pass and they connect. No coverage, nothing like that, but just the sheer want of making plays. And I do think that that is such a big part. We talk about mentality when it comes to turnovers. What are the things we usually talk about when it comes to turnovers? Luck, mentality, right? You have to see ball, get ball. But there is a mentality of that as a wide receiver. There is a wide receiver mentality that I have to make the play. I want the ball in my hands. Throw the ball to me. That should be the mentality of any wide receiver. You can call it being a diva. You can call it being self-centered. You can call it whatever you want, but it makes for good football. Whatever name you give it, it ends in touchdowns. It ends in scores. It ends in winning games. And so you want to see that level of, no, 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 we didn't do that right. Let's do it again. Ness, if you will, coming from Chris Olave. And of course, that comes from Derek Carr as well. Derek Carr is the type of guy who makes himself available at the end of practice. If we missed on something, bring me the ball. Tell me what we missed. Let's do it again. And Derek Carr even goes so far as if that young receiver doesn't come up and say, hey, let's do that again, he'll grab another receiver and do it again for his sake to make sure that he's not off on the timing the next time that he and that other player try to run it. So he'll still work on it. Those are the types of things that are important for the New Orleans Saints. That's the next step for Chris Olave, continuing to find where you can get into the minutia, where you can get into the nuance, where you can get into the particulars of winning football games. The attention to detail has to be spot on. And what that means to the New Orleans Saints is hopefully a better record in 2023 than the 7-10 record that they ended with in 2022. Coming up next, let's get to the guy that needs to show a little bit more, whether it be during mini camps or when things circle back around at training camp. But there's one player, and it's another receiver, that didn't show what he needed to show at OTAs, but showed enough for you to know that it's in there. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrap it up today's episode of Locked on Saints. We dove into the OTA MVP conversation around Chris Olave. Now let's talk about the player that needs to have a little bit of a bounce back, a little bit of a comeback, needs to, needs to show a little bit more coming out of OTAs. And that is going to be rookie wide receiver out of Wake Forest, A.T. Perry. A.T. Perry early on during the OTA period had a couple of passes that didn't didn't connect between him and Derek Carr or Jake Hayner or whoever was throwing him passes uh, at the time. And some of those were off target, especially a couple of the early Jake Hayner passes. The first day of OTAs, uh, A.T. Perry, I think, was targeted four times, came down with only one catch. Two of them were off target, and so you don't hold anything. And the other one was broken up. So I don't really hold that against A.T. Perry uh, because the one catch that he made, he fought to make that catch, and he came down with it. But yesterday or Tuesday this week and the third week of OTAs in particular, you saw some real opportunities for A.T. Perry to show you that he can be the big-bodied guy. And this was a big Brandon Coleman issue for a little while, too. And I would even say a little Jordan Humphrey issue that these guys did not consistently go up and play up to their size, six foot four, six foot five, but they weren't making contested catches, things like that. And this was a little bit of an issue for A.T. Perry as well. They believe in him as a contested catch guy, but he only caught about 44, 41.4, maybe is the, is the specific number percent of, uh, 
contested catches that he was given the opportunity to catch during his time at Wake Forest. Now, he also saw over 120 targets on multiple occasions. And so he did get a lot of opportunities. And obviously with that, some of those percentages are going to swell. Some of those percentages are going to dip, all that. It's a very large sample size for a wide receiver. However, the big thing that you want to see is, can he start to build that up as he gets in here and transitions to the NFL game? And issues with the contested catches are one thing. Issues with focus drops are an entirely different thing. I think that the focus drops portion, you can coach out, you can figure all that stuff out, you can help with the concentration stuff, the focus stuff, that's fine. Cody Burns, the wide receivers around him, he's got the right group of people around him to be able to help him improve in that. The big thing though with the contested catches is that that's very hard to teach. You either have to, again, have the mentality that we just talked about before that Chris Olave has to where see ball, get ball, that's my ball, get out of my way, I'll do whatever it takes to make that catch, um, as opposed to it being a situation where you just like develop a skill. There is a little bit to that, figuring out how to bulk up a little bit, uh, put a little bit more weight on so you're a little bit stronger and create a little bit more separation at the catch point, those things, sure. But it's also the mentality of the game. Now, I'm going to give a little bit of grace to A.T. Perry here because one of the two contested catches I'm talking about was up against Alante Taylor. And Alante Taylor has denied DeAndre Hopkins. He's denied Devontae Adams. He's de- he's denied some of the best wide receivers in the NFL contested catch opportunities because that's just who Alante Taylor has proven to be. But there was an earlier reception or or, or contested catch opportunity uh, between um, A.T. Perry and I believe it was Isaac Yadam that were uh, in that were in the goal line. And by the way, Isaac has stood out big time all throughout. Like even in moments where he, you know, somebody does make a play on him, that big catch A.T. Perry did make the first day of OTAs. He was falling out of bounds and all those other things. That was against Isaac. And then number 27 comes back the very next play and then bats down a pass on a crossing route also run by A.T. Perry. So you've seen him rebound a bunch. But he and A.T. Perry had this opportunity for this contested catch rep. Uh, it was one of the few passes that Jake Hayner got to throw during team drills dur- or during Tuesday. and uh, Or rather during, um, that would have been during seven on sevens actually because we were on the other side of the field. Sorry, I'm remembering all of these things as I'm kind of going through. And so... Or picturing these things as I'm all going as as we're going through. I mean, uh, and so Jake Hayner throws the ball over the top. It's in the back of the end zone. Good ball placement from Jake Hayner, but At Perry not able to come up with the play. He goes up with two hands. Isaac Yadam goes up with one hand. Yadam wins. So that's one of the things that you do want to see At Perry continue to develop in. So we should add that to our list as we talked about the focus drops and the concentration drops. We've talked about finding the space during zone coverage, which that's not going to happen during OTAs, mini camps. It'll barely happen during training camp. That's got to be in live rep situations. And so what I'm really interested to see where At Perry can make his biggest statement is going to be the two sets of joint practices that the team gets during the preseason. First against the Chargers, or rather against the Chargers, and up against the Houston Texans. Uh, yeah, Houston Texans. The host of Houston Texans here, they'll travel for the Los Angeles Chargers ones. So that's really the spot that I'm like, okay, let's see A.T. Perry against unfamiliar competition in a situation to where he's had a full training camp and all that. So he's got a lot of time between now and roster cuts to show that he can be the big guy, that he can do the big guy things, but also show the other things that he can do as well. He's got speed, he's got length, he's got agility, he's got all this other stuff. So just greater opportunities to be able to show all that off, I think will be helpful. Uh, But if you're the New Orleans Saints, you know how much your offense struggled last year because you didn't have a contested catch option once you lost Michael Thomas. So where do you find those contested catches? You've got to find the guy that's going to be able to bring some of those down. 
Uh, Brian Edwards could be that guy. He left a little early with what I believe I'm comfortable saying is an injury, but we'll see exactly what happens there. He left with an ailment of some sort. Uh, we'll see if he's back for mandatory minis and stuff like that. It might be nothing, but he could be that guy. Um, but A.T. Perry is being looked at as that guy. That was one of the things that Dennis Allen highlighted about him when they drafted him is that they like the fact that he can be physical, that he can fight through man contact and that he can, uh, oh, sorry, man coverage, press contact, a lot of contact and be able to, uh, come up with those contested catches. Now he's got to be able to prove it at the next level going up against NFL size DBs, NFL strength DBs, and that he starts to make all of those plays. But as of right now, A.T. Perry is not an NFL strength wide receiver. He can't be. He's been here for three weeks. So now you're looking at figuring out, okay, can you develop that over the course of the time and the break in between mini camps and training camp so that, bam, you're right into it and you're ready to go? I think he can. Uh, I'm obviously very high on A.T. Perry. I have been throughout the entire draft process. Now getting to see him up close, it's just obvious the things that if he just tightens up in a couple of different spaces. It's going to be hard to keep this cat off the field, but he's got to be able to tighten up those different spaces as we discussed. So he's somebody that I do think needs a little bit of a comeback, a little bit of a bounce back, but that's not to say that he is so far left in the weeds that he's not going to be able to do it. He has the ability to do it. Now let's see if he can get it done. All right, coming up later on today, y'all, we're going to be live. We're going to go down the uh, the run through of the breakdown and the uh, lineups that the New Orleans Saints use during their team drills, particularly their starting lineups on both the offensive and defensive side. Brian Brzee got first team reps. Is that something that we should be excited about or is that just a product of the situation? We'll break that down as well. So we got all that coming up for you as we continue on uh, throughout the week here at Locked on Saints. Want to give a big birthday shout out before I'm out of here to uh, Scott the Brown. I appreciate you, homie. Thank you so much for all the support. Scott is a big time um uh, audience member here on the show and always you know interacts and comments and does all this stuff. So it's my my pleasure to be able to say happy birthday to you, homie, and uh, and and hope that you have a good one. I appreciate you as always, y'all, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day, for making us a part of your day, part of your routine, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi, and if you want to keep the conversation going, just head over to joinsubtextcom slash Saints. As always, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson N. O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.